ghost emoji. I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. And this is a podcast about paranormal stuff. The spooky stuff. Good, good spooky stuff. And we are so close to Halloween that I can taste it. I can taste the cavities. I was going to say, what does it taste like? Sugar. What is, a, is that what a cavity tastes like? No, it tastes like decay. Ugh. And sadness. And loss of money. Bye-bye, money. Ugh. Bye-bye. I think I've only ever had one cavity. (laughs) I've had a lot. They're never big, but I've definitely had cavities. They're much more common than I thought they were. Oh, yes. Because almost everyone I know has had one. I don't know why your dentist or your hygienist was giving you such shit for the longest time then. I don't know. She needs to get wrecked. It's this damn bar. It's my weird retainer that I'm sure is a pain in the butt to clean, but... I do my dang my dang best. I clean these teethers. I don't know. My mom's a dental hygienist, and like, she's told me some stories. So your bar, that lady needs to just put her big girl pants on and deal with it. She's been really good the past four or five visits. I just remember it was one of my first times there, and I'd never had her before, and I, I just I couldn't believe how much guff she was giving me. I was like, I get it. Every time you go to the dentist, I think they are legally bound to tell you, you need to floss more. But for the most part, I usually come out pretty okay. And I was traumatized. I thought I had good, good teeth. And she destroyed my my teeth confidence. I don't know. My mom is my hygienist, so I've never had that experience. Uh, So today we are talking about Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch. That's my best uh, news reel. My little my little ticker tape at the bottom. That's pretty good. And she says, "Ghost watch, ghost watch, ghost watch." Breaking news. Had you ever heard of Ghost Watch before we started talking about it? Uh, I feel like was it Tree that suggested it at some point? He suggested it at one point. I had heard about it on Sawbones, which mm-hmm. is like a medical history podcast, and they were talking about like mass hysteria and Mm. stuff like that and it came up and i so i think i watched it a few months after that and then had kind of forgotten about it and then when tree brought it up maybe like last halloween took Mm -hmm. us a while to get back around to it but it's the perfect time for it because it aired on halloween sorry tree it only (laughs) took us a full fucking year yeah we're getting our shit together i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) it takes a minute Well, especially because this one's just good for this time of year, because it was on Halloween. It was a British reality horror mockumentary television film. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of words. Uh, It first aired on October 31st on BBC One in 1992, and it was a made-for-TV movie. It was in the mockumentary style, but the way they aired it, it looked like it was a regular, like, news segment, investigative reporting, expose kind of thing. Well, they presented it like it was live, which is what's scary. And then they also used, like, the actual TV personalities of, like, actual BBC personalities playing themselves. So that's, I don't know how you, like, if you didn't get the memo that it was a drama, I can see why people would maybe be upset. Well, yeah, because... They, I think the three main ones were the main presenter guy, Michael Parkinson. Uh, Sarah Green was the main lady on the investigation crew, and she was a regular 
on BBC One, but she was also a regular on like their Saturday television, like for kids segment kind of thing. Mm. So any kids watching at night saw that and were like, oh, it's my friend Sarah. I trust her. <laughs> she would never lie to me. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's see. It was written by Stephen Volk. Volk. It's a V. Uh, directed by Leslie Manning. Produced for the anthology series Screen One by Richard Broke, Ruth Baumgarten, and Derek Nelson. And it had a bunch of people in it, but the main people who acted in it were Michael Parkinson, Sarah Green, Mike Smith, Craig Charles, which I know all four of those were actual people from BBC One. Um, and then I don't remember who Gillian Bevan plays, and Keith Ferrari is Pipes, the ghost of Ghostwatch fame. Spooky. Spooky, spooky. I watched it on Vimeo, so that's Me where too. you can also watch it. It's in three parts, um, and that's the clearest. Yeah, it's also on Shudder. I think you can order it, like rent it online and a few other places, but it's really hard to get a hold of. Like, it's not on YouTube. The bits that are on YouTube are all, like, jumbled up for copyright purposes, I guess. So it was recorded... Weeks in advance and advertised as a drama in the TV guide, but the narrative was styled as live television and was taken as such by lots of people. Most convincing of all was the use of actual BBC personalities playing themselves. Sarah Green and Craig Charles were the reporters on the scene at the house, while Mike Smith, who was Sarah Green's real-life husband, and Michael Parkinson linked in from the studio uh, during and following its first and only UK television broadcast. I like how they aired it once and then they were like, okay, guess we can't do that again. <laughs> um, the show caused an uproar resulting in an estimated 30,000 calls to the BBC switchboard in a single hour. Yeah, it makes me think of that one episode home on from the X-Files that oh, yeah. they aired that one time. And I think they've never technically aired it again. You can watch that on Hulu and stuff like that now. They didn't take it like out of circulation completely but there are only so many things that they're like nope nope this is never happening again yeah <laughs> so okay so it's a film it's about 90 minutes um it was shot in the documentary style and it showed up in the bbc dramas screen one series they were doing a live on-air investigation of a house in Northolt, greater london um where there was supposed to be poltergeist activity at this one house the family living there was uh, the mom was named Pam Early. The oldest daughter, who was like 13 or 14, I think, was named Suzanne. And then the younger daughter, who I think was supposed to be like 10 or so, uh, was named Kim. The host was Michael Parkinson in the studio. And he was joined by Dr. Lynn Pascoe, who was an actor or actress, who is uh, playing a paranormal expert who attempts to explain the events in the house. She had like written a book on the subject and claims to have been at the house and seen the paranormal activity herself. This was one of the things that they thought would tip off people was that she was apparently like a well-known extra, like you would see her in other shows. Like, I don't know if her specifically, but they tried to get the actors from shows like Doctor Who and a couple of other like fairly popular shows because they were like, well, that way people will see it and be like, oh, it's a it's not real. Yeah. Um, so 
when you're watching it, the reporters don't seem to be taking this story seriously at first, and they're, like, playing Halloween pranks on each other at the start of the program, uh, such as, like, Craig Charles hides in a pantry, makes banging noises, and then jumps out of the pantry wearing a rubber mask. Um, and then viewers were asked to call in with their own ghost stories using the standard BBC call-in number at the time, 081-811-8181, which becomes an important plot point. Scary. The calls at least become an important plot point. The, yeah, the phone not call, the number. <laughs> the number itself, I mean, obviously threw people off because, yeah, as we'll get to real. later, yeah, people were calling in and were supposed to get a message about how it was fake, but because there was so many people calling in and freaking out, it just came across as a busy line. So there's no one there to explain that nothing bad is really happening. But yeah, I mean, the beginning half of it really kind of, the first 30 minutes kind of dragged on a little bit for me. I was like, okay, I, I mean, I hope this gets scary soon because it really is kind of just like, oh, they're hanging out at this house. There's supposed to be some banging noises. They do some interviews show some footage of her, like the the doctor lady talking about her book, and it just kind of seems like run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah, there's not like a, a ton of stuff going on at the beginning. It was slow, but <laughs> I mean, then it really just uh, amps up real fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as the program keeps going, they reveal more footage and they do some interviews with neighbors and the family and they discover the existence of a malevolent ghost nicknamed pipes because uh the children in the house had asked their mother about the noises and she said it was the pipes and so the youngest girl especially is kind of was like oh okay his name is pipes now the crew sees a few strange happenings while they're there like a really large perfect circle of like wetness appears on the living room floor and there's no source for it. There isn't any water dripping down from the ceiling or anything like that. Um, they hear some loud banging noises. One of the cameramen mentions that their watch had stopped right before they entered the house at like 9.30 or whatever. Because that's when the show started airing was at 9.30 and that's supposed to be the outside of the watershed which I don't know TV terms very well, but apparently that's when it's like, oh, this is when it's the more of the raunchier stuff, you know. Mm. Sexy ghosts. That's when you might see a titty. There might be even a two-titty. Two I don't know. Do they show titty on BBC One? I have no idea. On the BBC? I'm not, I'm not British. BBC, I don't know. call me. I've mostly watched <laughs> things on BBC Four, so. Are there titties on BBC Four? Probably. I don't think I've ever seen a titty on BBC4. The elusive titty. The elusive titty. So, anyway, during one of the, like, noise events when everything's banging around, they're freaking out because the camera crew is downstairs and the girls are upstairs. And so they're, like, quietly creeping up on the landing of the staircase. And they have a bunch of cameras set up throughout the house just so that way they can catch anything that happens and uh sarah green the main lady is like hey can you pan to this camera and like zoom in and look down and when they do that it shows that suzanne the oldest daughter is like on the other side of the wall behind a door kind of like thumping on it with it almost looks like a like a gavel i don't know what it is it looked like she was hitting with like the skinny end of a gavel 
like a judge's gavel. I thought it was a like a plastic spoon, like a big plastic spoon. Maybe. Like whatever it was, it was really loud. But she's banging on it, and then she sees that they see her, and she, like, runs out crying. And so it really – it looks like they've caught her in a lie. And she is like, no, like, I just wanted to, you know, make sure everyone believed us and nothing was happening. And so I had to show them that it's real. And, you know, most of the people are like, okay, it's been exposed as a lie. This kind of sucks, I guess, because we're on air, but – the doctor, Lynn Pasco, is like, no, like, I've been there and I've seen stuff happen that Suzanne couldn't have done. Like, this doesn't make sense. You know, she's a teenager. She's probably just acting out. I know this looks bad, but, like, I just don't believe it. And, of course, the mom is like, no, my daughter would never do this. I've seen stuff. And, you know, all the people on the show who are skeptics are like, uh-huh, sure, okay. But yeah, everybody else, about half and half, they still seem pretty upset. The, like, uh, what's his name? Is it Michael Parkinson? He's the, the main host guy. Yeah. He was like, okay, well, that that just proves it. And I appreciated that the lady was like, uh, no, let's let's not, like, lose faith. Let's just keep, let's keep our eye on the prize. Because, like, it's just she's wanting to ensure that people believe them. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, the phone bank is, like, completely overrun with calls of people saying that they can see a figure standing in the home, which calls back to an earlier call on the show that specifically mentioned a shot of the girl's shared bedroom. Is Wasn't it like the figure is standing sort of in um, like the curtains? Yeah, they have a lady calls in and is like, I don't know if you noticed, but in this one shot, I could have sworn I saw a figure standing in the window. And they're like, oh, well, let's go back and look at it. And it's kind of creepy because they show it a few times. And apparently in some shots it's there and in some shots it's not. But Mm -hmm. the newscaster people kind of are like, oh, I don't really see anything. But there's obviously someone like standing in the curtain. Yeah. And I think that Dr. Pasco is like, oh, I can kind of see where they might think this is that. But then... Afterwards, more people call in and are like, yeah, there's someone, you know, in the background of this shot and they've got no eyes. They've got a big, like, bald head. It looks like a skull. They're wearing, like, a long coat or a long robe or something like that. And it's something where I didn't really notice it the first couple times I watched it because, obviously, they're not trying to draw your attention to it. But apparently, if you go back and look, he is, like, scattered throughout the video. In, like, ten or more places. Yeah, there's a scene where you see him behind a door. There's a scene where you see him in the reflection when, like, a cat comes to the window. He's standing at the back, like, behind the cameraman. It's just, it's super weird. Like, because the more you, you start looking for it, the more you see it. And then another woman calls in and says that her glass coffee table exploded while she watched the program after her husband, like, put a finger on it, Mm -hmm. and that her husband had been badly injured, and her kids were, like, so, I guess, enthralled by the show, she couldn't, like, get them to leave the the TV. Like, she kept trying to take them to bed, and they would just, they were so drawn to the TV, and I don't know, she sounded very upset, and she begs um, the hosts to stop the show because yeah. she's she's just like yeah. why are you doing this 
And they're just, that was also apparently one of their calls to be like, if you do have kids watching this, like, turn it off, send them to bed. It's yeah. past, you know, nine o'clock, you should go to sleep. But the way they do it in the show, it's so well done that I didn't really pick up on that. I was like, I just thought it was him being like, well, what do you mean your kid's upset? They should be asleep. You're a bad mom <laughs> kind of feeling. No. <laughs> <sighs> it's just saying like, it's it's past 930. Like, you should be asleep. You should not be watching this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's Halloween night, too. It's like, if they're not, I mean, I guess is trick-or-treating isn't as big a deal in in England as in America. I have no idea. In the 90s, though, I feel like trick-or-treating was like a boom. Because I feel like it's kind of tapered off now where it's mostly, like you said, where it's where people will like park at churches and stuff and do um, trunk or treat. Yeah, trunk or treat or there's parties that'll get thrown and, and things where it's more it's less about knocking on strangers doors and more about like a community trying to make a safe environment, I guess. I don't know. The thrill is gone, but. <laughs> The love is gone. I guess it's safe. Roll over and turn off the light. Yep. Trick-or-treating is over. So these kids see it. They're upset. They're all fake kids. These are all fake calls. None of these are really people getting through, but they're fashioned to look like people are really getting through, which just adds to the idea that, you know, it is real. And so the mom, Pam, says that she can hear cats like they've been surrounded by yowling cats. And you start to hear it. And then shortly after they find Suzanne laying in bed in a catatonic state with scratches all over her face. Yeah, she's just like laying on her back, looking up, like kind of staring into nothing. They say that like she feels ice cold. And if they try to touch her, she kind of like jerks away and she just looks... Not good. Yeah, she looks really upset, and they they look like cat scratches, so with the whole cat thing, it's just upsetting. Especially after her having just had the thing where they think she's the faker. And so they're like, oh, she probably just scratched her face, and the mom's like, with what nails? And, like, grabs her hand and shows that, you know, she's just got little little shrimpy nails. No almond nails for her. No almond-shaped nails for her. Anyway, with the phone calls, as the night progresses, there's two main calls that I tie directly to the home and the plot. And this is when the first one pops in. Um, It's a woman who says that as a child, her mom would try to scare her and her sisters um, with stories about Mother Seddons. I kept thinking they were saying Suttons, but it's probably just me mishearing it. But the lady was like, oh, when I grow up, I found out that it was a real lady who was a baby farmer turned... What is a baby farmer? A baby farmer is someone who would take in orphan children for the money and then kill them. Wow. Okay. And then continue collecting. Um, I don't know if there was a certain time period where this was more prevalent, where they weren't checking up. I mean, I know the foster care system and all that isn't necessarily great nowadays either, but you would think if someone killed a bunch of babies and like buried them in their garden or whatever but but yes this was a baby farmer slash child killer from the 19th century who was probably based on amelia dyer who was actually a real baby farmer and one of the most prolific serial killers in history um she operated in victorian britain over like a 20-year period she i guess like maybe started off as a like actual, you know, lady just trying to take care of kids, but then either on 
purpose or or whatever she had uh, a few kids die and then just kind of kept at it that was back in like the late 1800s when that was happening Mm. but they think that that's who mother sentence is based on so that's real life in the video or slash movie it's mother sentence and the caller says that the lady had lived in a house that was on a street that later became Fox Hill Drive, and that's where the investigation is. And she's like, I'm certain that that house that those girls are in is the same house that this lady lived in. And so if there is some kind of weird, creepy ghost, they're like, okay, maybe that could be it. So the investigation team is trying to get the family out of the house at this point because shit's kind of gone bananas yeah and um the youngest little girl kimmy refuses and then um both of the the girls both Susanna and kimmy start acting combative as the walls began to like clang again and then they cut back to the phone bank and callers are reported clock stopping radio is malfunctioning pets acting out etc in their own homes then when they cut back to the house the cameras and feeds are malfunctioning Suzanne seems to be in shock, and she refuses to be moved, and then the walls and ceiling begin clanging, and a photo flies off the wall, and then they realize Kimmy's run off. Why can't they just keep these kids in one spot? (laughs) They can't keep track of them. (laughs) Suzanne begins speaking in a low, raspy voice, and she's... It's really creepy. Oh, well, they, like, zoom in on her face because she's, like, kind of hiding behind a chair. And they're like, you know, Suzanne, you know, get out. We're going to leave. And then she says, uh, what big eyes you have, what big hands you have. But in that voice, in, like, a demon voice. Uh, She's like, what big eyes you have. What big eyes you have. What big hands you have. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. She sounds like it's, like, a really long, drawn-out, like, burp. Or like she's wheezing yeah. or something, which doesn't sound scary, but when it's coming out of a little girl, it is. Yep. And so, of course, her mom is like, you know, like, you know, you stop it. Like, we're leaving. And then eventually she kind of snaps out of it and turns back into Suzanne, who's mm-hmm. like, we, you know, y'all were just going to leave anyway. Like, no one's going to believe us. And she just keeps kind of swapping back between those two. Creepy catatonic state and teenager being like, no one loves me. So, obviously, she's got some stuff going on. I hear you. Oh, my God. God, mom, mom, get out of my room. Pipes, get out of my room. Pipes, get out of my room. Uh, and then, okay, so Sarah has run off to find Kimmy, who's the the youngest one, and she's in the kitchen. Like she goes in, and like the sink is turned on and rushing, and the fridge is open. And when she closes the fridge, she's behind the door. They hear, like, these cat screeches in the kitchen. They're really loud. They're The mm-hmm. cat noises in this are very upsetting. And then they realize that they're coming from this crawl space underneath the stairs. It's, like, kind of by the pantry. Um, and earlier in the program, the mom had told a story about, like, going in there and, like, feeling like something trapped her in there. And after that, she, like, boarded it up so that way mm-hmm. no one could go in there. That's where Kimmy says pipes live, so you know that it's not a cool place to hang. And so they hear this noise. Yeah. And one of the cameramen uses, like, the boom or whatever, and he's like, oh, the cat sounds are coming from inside here. And so they take off all the boards, and Sarah is just about to open it, and you see, like, a flash of someone in there. And then there's a crash, and a mirror from, like, the hallway wall flies off, and it hits one of the cameramen in the head and hurts him pretty badly. 
Um, And then you hear Suzanne's disembodied voice cry out, like, while they're trying to figure what's going on. You can just hear her being like, you know, he's hurting me, you know, get off of me, you know, mom help, like, just, like, really sad stuff. And then she screams and the feed cuts out and it cuts to the people in the news truck outside and they're just kind of like goofing off and hanging out and and telling jokes and the people at the station are like do they understand like what's going on like can they not you know hear what's happening in the in the thing it just kind of seems like they're having issues with their telecom link to the thing and everyone outside just kind of seems oblivious to all the nonsense going on inside. Then when it finally cuts back to the house, it's really weird because it's a quiet shot of the girls drinking sodas with the camera crew in the living room and it looks like everything's like calmed down. It seems so fake. I couldn't believe it took them so long to be like, huh. I know. Like, they were like, oh, I guess everything's fine. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? A cameraman, like, his head was fucking bleeding. Like, nothing's fine. Yeah, so he just got brained by a a mirror flying off the wall. And there's a weirdo man in the pantry. And all the lights were off and, like, all this other creepy stuff. But then, you know, they're just having a a soda pop hanging out by the coffee table. You know. You don't go from demon voice to Pepsi in, in, like, two minutes. That's not how that works. Well, maybe Pepsi, but not say, Coke. Uh, Pe- Pepsi, <laughs> Pepsi though. If you're a Pepsi person, get out. Get out, please. That means Ryan is grounded too. Oh. <laughs> we'll make a special exception for Ryan. I guess. I know you're partial to him. I told my mom that he was a Pepsi person, and she was like, "What's wrong with him?" And I was <laughs> like, "I don't know." She was like, well, your grandpa turned into a Pepsi person towards the end. And I was like, no. She was like, yep, we were all all shaken. I was like, God, why? Pepsi men. Why, God? Um, So this is when the second call about the history of the house comes into the station. It's a man who wants to remain anonymous. And he says that the tenants in the 60s illegally rented a room to a man who was their nephew named Raymond Tunstall. He was a child molester who claimed to have been plagued and possessed by the spirit of a woman, Mother Seddons. He started wearing a long robe-like dress, and when it became too much, he killed himself in the crawl space while his family was away on holiday. Um, and the reason this guy knows this is he says that he's his, um, was it his... Social worker. Uh, yeah, his social worker. I don't know so, if he was his social worker. I'm assuming to have this much information, he probably had to be, but he was... I thought he said he was his social worker, but yeah. maybe he was just a social worker who worked... He, I think he said he was a social worker when he came to their hospital mm, or something okay. like that. But, like, he, he was aware of it and was like, do you guys know that's where he lived, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, we did an extensive you know, history on the house. And he's like, well, I mean, he wasn't supposed to be there, so they wouldn't have put him on the docket or anything, (laughs) you dummies. Yeah, because it was, they were illegally, you know, renting it to him because he was a child molester. Yep. Anyways, 12 days later, when his aunt and uncle returned, the family's cats, because there were like 12 of them, were locked in, and so they had eaten parts of his face, which explains why earlier he had been described as not having eyes and having lots of scratches on his face, because I think earlier, Kimmy, they had, Dr. Lynn had, like, shown an interview with Kimmy talking about what Pipes looks like, 
because a lot of people were calling in and describing what the ghost looked like in the reflections and stuff that they were seeing. And it matched the description of what Kimmy had, you know, previously said that hadn't been shown to viewers, which is like that he's bald and he's wearing a long robe and he's got scratches all over his face. So that's why. Hmm. Good times. Not, not great. I mean, I'm okay with my cats eating me, honestly, if I'm dead and they're trapped here, like, feast on my body, babies. It's fine. (laughs) Come, come, my monsters. Come, my little monsters. I mean, they're starving. I'm sure they're not going to, like, immediately be like, well, time to eat mom. It's been, it's been an hour. (laughs) I don't got time for this. I got somewhere to be. (laughs) Better get it while it's fresh. So, finally, Dr. Pasco realizes shockingly that they're what they're watching isn't live she's like looking at it and like really really looking at it and he's like what and she turns around and she was like this isn't real nothing's real and her big thing is she's like one on top of just the fact that they're all having a great time when last time they saw them they were all in peril was that on the living room wall there's a photo that flew off during one of like the poltergeist outburst that had happened earlier so she's like no this has to be from before the program started because that photo has already fallen off and she was like pipes is in the machine he's you know he's tricking us he's you know reaching out to us and you know all this other stuff which is kind of a scary i i there are very few times i've seen that concept played off very well where like it's in the computer you know it's in whatever other than a couple of heavy hitters, like, you know, Ring or whatever, where they're in the VHS and stuff like that. But it's kind of a creepy idea. So she realizes this, and then it finally cuts back to the house with a real-life shot, and it shows everybody is leaving. They're wheeling out the guy who got hurt. Um, it shows them kind of counting off everyone, being like, oh, there's Kimmy, you know, there's Pam, there's, you know, whoever. And they realize that there's just... Sarah and Suzanne and a cameraman. I cannot remember the cameraman that's still in there with her, but they're using like an infrared camera because I guess all the lights are out. Eventually they come back on, but for a while they're using an infrared while Sarah searches around for Suzanne in the house. Um, And then they come to the crawl space and it shows Sarah opening it. And there's lots of, like, wind noises, and the cameraman is like, you know, Sarah, what are you doing? And it shows Sarah crawling in, and then it slams shut. And there's, like, a loud cat screeching. In the static, it's really hard to see, but apparently in the static, there's, like, a split-second shot of Pipes' face with his eyes all eaten out and everything. And Hmm. it's really, really short. I tried so hard to pause on it, and I just couldn't do it. But I could see where it, like, flashed through. And it's it's kind of gruesome. It's and it's short. It's like stuff like that that they threw in like almost subliminally. And after that, it's just everything goes haywire. Mm-hmm. So Pipes takes control of the BBC Studios and Transmitter Network using the Ghostwatch Studio as a focal point. That was something What's Her Face said earlier in it, uh, Pasco, where she was like. We're doing, like, a, a giant seance. We didn't even mean to. Yeah, she she has this, like, dawning horror on her face where she's like, oh, my God, we've <laughs> made, like, a giant seance. And <laughs> and you're just like, oh, fuck, y'all are screwed. <laughs> that was when I was like, oh, man, this is going to get way worse than just, like, 
a house. Yeah, well, and the Parkinson guy is just like, he's like, what? No, sit down. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny that everyone is freaking out and being like, evacuate, and he's still trying to, like, talk to the the viewers, and I'm like, just go. He's just wandering around, being like, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but the lights are off. <laughs> it's dark in the studio. Yeah, I was like... That, I mean, that seems like something someone would really do, where it's just like, what are you doing? I don't know. Get out of here. I don't got anywhere to be. I'm old. (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) So everyone, like we said, runs out of the studio as the lights start exploding, and he's stumbling around. It's dark, and it's bizarre. And then, so he figures out that the teleprompter is still active, and so... He, like, moseys up to it, and he reads a nonsensical nursery rhyme, and then he begins speaking in Pipe's voice, asking viewers if they really believe the story about Mother Seddon's. And as Parkinson slash Pipes calls out, fee fi fo fum the film ends with the screeching of cats. The end. And there are credits and stuff like that afterwards, so you'd think that people would be like, oh, I get it, it's not real. But who knows, maybe at that point they were like, turn off the TV! It's a seance! Ah! Jesus, it's gonna possess our TV! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what people thought, but I saw written by, and I was like, did no one stay for like two seconds after it cut out? Nope. No. Nope. Everyone's got places to go. They got to go to their ghost bunker. Guess so. The thing with him, like, talking at the end was creepier to me when I watched a clip of them, like, there's a part early in the show where they listen to, like, a recording that's supposed to be of, like, Suzanne or someone talking in Pipe's voice and he does say like a weird nursery rhyme or whatever but it's so like guttural that I couldn't really understand what they were saying and so I watched a YouTube video of just that clip with subtitles and it made it creepier but in the actual program without subtitles I couldn't understand it and so I didn't totally get the part at the end because it is just like his voice is so distorted it's difficult to figure out what he's saying yeah i couldn't understand him at all during the like initial recording that she tried to share i was like cool it just sounds like someone burping (laughs) but if you if you listen to it and have the subtitles it's creepy but without that i don't know i feel like they should have done subtitles or something just because it was so difficult to understand yeah and like we talked about earlier how the ghost like appears in the program a lot there's a whole full list of them and like the time stamps, but I just picked out a couple of them. I know Becca mentioned a few earlier, but there's one where the guy, I, I guess they try to make him look androgynous, so you can't totally tell if it's Mother Seddon's or Raymond Tunstall, but they've got like the buttoned up robe dress thing, and there's a part where they're in front of the curtains in the girl's bedroom as the house is being evacuated. Uh, They said that the ghost is briefly visible as the cameraman turns, but then it's gone again when he whips the camera back for a second look. During the playback of the haunted bedroom footage, and this is the one we mentioned earlier, um, they examine the video footage in the studio, and a shadowy figure can be seen behind the curtains in the bedroom of the early girls. There's three versions, and one of them, there is the figure, the first one, in the second one, he's slightly faded out. And then in the last one, he's not there at all. 
And then there's also another shot where, like, they're outside of the house on Fox Hill Drive, and the ghost is standing in a crowd of onlookers, like, with no one reacting to him at all. If you want to find it, he's standing behind a woman in a blue parka. But there's a whole list of those. I can't remember if that's on the wiki or where it is, but if you want to go through and find them, he's just kind of sprinkled throughout for flavor. And then there was afterwards, you know, a big furor about it because people were so upset that they thought it was real. And I guess at first I was like, okay, so you thought it was real and it wasn't. Like, what's the big deal? But a lot of young people had a very visceral reaction to it. And I don't know, there was just a a lot of talk about like, how much was it their responsibility to make it absolutely clear that it was fake Mm. versus using the conceit that it was a mockumentary. Because that was kind of like what gave it its power and what made it so interesting to watch, except that it really upset a lot of kids. Yeah. An example is 18-year-old factory worker, Martin Denham, who suffered from learning difficulties and had a mental age of 13, committed suicide five days after the program aired. Um, The family home had a faulty central heating system, which had caused the pipes to knock, and Denham linked this to the activity in the show, causing great worry. His mother and stepfather, they were named April and Percy Denham, blamed the BBC. They claimed that Martin was hypnotized and obsessed by the program, and in the suicide note found in his pocket, he had written, Mother, do not be upset. If there is ghosts, I will now be one, and I will always be with you as one. Which is really sad. It is. Because a lot of people, like, a lot of kids were upset, but this was kind of like the flagstone case where they were like, you went too far. I guess he didn't expressly say it was because of the show, but they were like, given how quickly it happened afterwards and how upset he was by it, it just seems like there's no way we couldn't have put them together. Yeah. Sad. The This family, the Denims, along with 34 others, had sent in a complaint to the Broadcasting Standards Commission but they refused the complaint as being outside their remit. But the high court granted the Denim's permission for a judicial review requiring the BESC to hear their complaint. As far as I can remember, I don't, I don't think anything officially ever came of it. No one was censured or went to prison or anything like that. I don't, I don't know if there was any sort of civil suit, but they believed in their hearts that that was what made their son kill himself. So... Later, Dr. Don Simons and Dr. Walter Silviera published a report in the British Medical Journal describing two cases of ghost watch-induced post-traumatic stress disorder in children, and both of the subjects were 10-year-old boys. One was admitted to an inpatient's unit for eight weeks, and he would bang his head in an attempt to free himself from thoughts of ghost watch and its evil spirit pipes. They stated that these were the first reported cases of PTSD caused by a television program. The respondents also noted the potential for similar reactions in elderly people. However, the conclusion of the article states, the rapid resolution of the children's symptoms suggests that the children suffered a brief anxiety reaction to the television program, although they may have exhibited some of the features of post-traumatic stress disorder. This diagnosis in their case is inappropriate. It's, I mean, there are definitely things as a child that, like, haunted me after seeing, but I feel like I was able to wrap my head around the fact that they were a movie rather than this, where I can understand why Aki would have such an intense reaction because it seems so real and it's 
people on the news and they're saying it's live. And I can imagine having trauma based on experiencing that while you're watching it and then possibly reliving that when you think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that was there was a the article that a lot of the second half of these notes are from. It's an article called "Ghost Watch: The Halloween Hoax That Changed the Language of Television" by mm-hmm. Kate Mossman. It was it was really good. I read the whole thing, but I just kind of pulled a couple of spots that were interesting. But they said that was one of the things that they hadn't considered was that when your kids watch something that's really upsetting to them and they're upset about it because, you know, they think it's real. If it's a movie or something like that, you can play it back and show them, like, where it isn't real or be like, it's just a movie. But Mm -hmm. with this, since it was shown only once and there was no way to go back and be like, well, no, see this thing that you're scared of? It's just, you know, it's just a guy in a costume. It's just whatever. But they could never show it to them again because it was never going to be shown on TV again. Yeah, that, that makes a big difference. But, I mean, they, they tried their, I don't know, they, they brought back some of, I can't remember if it was the producers, it wasn't the writer, but some of the people who worked on it onto a show called Bite Back, uh-huh. which I guess was kind of like a, you know, after the fact, you know, come on here and defend yourself kind of thing. And it was just two of them. I remember one of them was, I think, what's her name, Baumgarten? Ruth Baumgarten? Uh, yeah. And I think it was her and one other guy. It might have been Broke, but... Um, they went on and there's just a bunch of parents and they just laid into them. And I mean, I don't think they had a great answer other than being like, we tried really hard to, to make sure that people would know that it was fake, but it, it didn't work. But there was one guy who at a certain point during development kind of threw the idea of making it seem fake out the window and was like, it will be more successful. Like we'll have done a good job if people think it's real. Cause that's what we're trying to do without really taking into account the fact that people would be genuinely upset by it. So yeah, where, where he thought it was going to get them great, like acclaim and success, which I mean, kind of is like a weird cult movie and, and a weird social phenomenon. And I guess they, they did it. It's kind of a War of the Worlds-esque hoax slash prank slash misunderstanding that they've pulled off yeah but it's one of those things where it's like you can't take back all the the people that you hurt by like pushing it a little too far someone wanted to put more like things in the middle like you know cutting away and making it more obvious that it was fake like Mm -hmm. you know whether it was like putting the credits not necessarily at the beginning but like having them fade in and out or or something like that so Volk originally had wanted Ghost Watch to be a six-part drama, so it would still would have been a mockumentary. If it goes on for that many episodes, obviously it would have been easier for people to see that it was a drama and the TV guide and stuff like that. But he had big plans for it. He was quoted as saying, what is the biggest philosophical question of human beings? It is, is there life after death? Do we go on or do we just turn to dust? And what would a TV company do with that existential question? They turn into a show with stupid phone-ins, stupid experts, and stuff to fill in the boring bits. It's like, I wanted the whole nation to be terrified, yet they would be creating the very thing they're terrified of. What if they wanted to see a ghost to the extent that they actually created it? What if they supernaturally held hands in the dark, millions of people wanting the same thing to happen at the same time? 
And I guess he kind of got that in a way, but just the way they picked it up and the way that they decided to to turn it into like a one-time 90-minute TV show kind of robbed it of this bigger idea that he was going for. Yeah, I feel like like the artistry gets and that that philosophical question gets lost in the fact that you scared so many people that they don't care about that philosophical question. They're just pissed that you gave their kid like PTSD, which is fair. I'd be pissed too. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I would be, I would be. Upset. But also, their kid probably shouldn't have been watching TV that late. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I I get that they were like, I don't know, but I still feel like it's a little irresponsible of of the company to not foresee that that could go wrong. Yeah. Well, it's funny because then the BBC just seemed like super embarrassed and just wanted to like wipe all all traces of it. In the article, Parkinson talked about how it's so difficult to imagine something like this happening now and kind of a, a product of the time that it came out in. But he's like, you know, you've got kids now that can pick up a phone and watch someone be beheaded on YouTube or something yeah. like that. And they were like, it's it's a very different time and i think that's kind of why maybe also not being like a little kid but when i was watching it and trying to imagine like would this have scared me that bad if i had seen it when it came on but i'm also looking at it from the mind of an adult who's seen way more messed up stuff you know since 1992 some of it on child's youtube i mean johnny johnny freaks me the fuck out don't like it. Wait, what? Johnny Johnny. What's Johnny Johnny? Um, I don't want to look it up. <laughs> it's it's the video. It's like a, a dad and he's talking to a weird little baby and he's like, Johnny Johnny, yes, Papa. Telling lies, no, Papa. Oh, that? Yeah. I don't like it. Oh. It's unnerving. I don't like it. This is Are they just little cartoons? It's like weird computer animation. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. I thought it was going to be something scarier, but I respect <laughs> your fear. I don't know what why the kids are into it, but that's what I'm saying. Is the stuff that the kids are into is the stuff that scares me. And so if we <laughs> flip-flop it, I just don't know how we're going to make it work. We're never going to find a common ground. I mean, I watch Wind in the Willows to fall asleep, and that makes your skin crawl, so. Yeah, the whole show is like a fever dream to me. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, oh, comfy. Yeah, that's right. Mole, make your make your fucking jam. Hell yeah! Mm. Move your weird little little like stop motion body around your kitchen. Sounds good. I'm gonna go to sleep now. <sighs> yes, yeah, so that's Ghost Watch. It's on Vimeo. I suggest watching. It's an hour and a half. I mean, it's about the length mm-hmm. of a regular movie, and it's it's interesting. Like some of it's kind of hokey, knowing the history behind it and. And all of that, I thought it was pretty well done. The acting isn't always great. The kids are a little kind of cheesy sometimes, but they're child actors. What do you want? The only thing I didn't, I wasn't crazy about was, um, I feel like there's a trope in horror movies where they'll have a, like, man dresses a woman and that's supposed to be, like, scarier for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were necessarily implying that in this, but I feel like... <sighs> It's, it's like, um... Like a Buffalo Bill thing? Not necessarily dressing like a woman, but dressing in, like, a woman's skin? 
Yeah, well, it just kind of reeks of, like, sort of... Transphobia? Yes, yes, transphobia. And it grosses me out a little that people will throw that in because they'll try to make it sound like it's a mental illness or, like, it's tied to... In the same way that people will try to tie, like, when pedophiles will rape young boys and then they're like oh well they're gay and it's like no they're a pedophile they're not gay they're they're a pedophile because they're raping a child and i feel like that happens sometimes with horror movies and they'll try to make it like scary or whatever by like this person's already like murdering people which is scary enough and then they're like but let's add another element to it that's not necessary and throw in some transphobia and it's like i just I don't know if they were necessarily doing that with this, but I feel like it happens and it's very subtle in a lot of movies. And it just, I'm always just like, that's not necessary. And that's not something that should be attributed to, like, it shouldn't be a a horror trope. It just shouldn't be. (laughs) No, I agree with that. I feel like in this one, it wasn't- Because he's possessed by a woman's ghost, supposedly. Yeah. So it's different, but I still- I don't know. It's different, but I mean, if you feel it, you feel it. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I read a couple of articles that criticized it on that. And part of it, I guess, is it being in the 90s and mm-hmm. people trying to pass that off a little bit more being like, no, it's just scary. It's not transphobia. But I think that it's, it's there enough that it's worth mentioning. Well, I'm glad that you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I really liked it, but that sat weird with me, and I didn't totally enjoy that that part. In general, I mean, there were parts that, like, gave me the chills, for sure. I didn't like the part where he was in the curtains, and they were like, I can't see it. And I'm like, it's right there. What do you mean you can't see it? It's it's right there. Yeah, that was upsetting. <laughs> the zoom in on the daughter's face when she started speaking in her demon voice was also very upsetting. No, not fun. Do not want. I didn't. I didn't like the zoom. <laughs> it was very upsetting. Just wanted more regular cats. No, like weird demon cats. Screaming demon cats. Yeah. yeah. Just regular kitties. Just regular kitties, please. So, what are your spooky recommendations this week on the eve of Halloween? Well, not yet. The but eve of Halloween of. Eve. Yes. When we're recording this, we'll see if we get this out in time. I'm trying. I'm trying, y'all. <laughs> if not, you know. It might be after Halloween. What did you do for Halloween? Or I went to the theater and I saw the new Halloween yesterday. Was that just yesterday? Yeah, it's Monday. But This weekend felt a thousand years long. It was very long. I don't know where I am or who I am. But it wasn't like all fun. It was stress. There was some fun, but also stress. Yeah, we had a friend's Halloween themed birthday party on, on Freedy. Friday. That was just fun. No stress. No stress. Let's see. So, yeah, I watched the new Halloween. I liked it for the most part. I feel like I could do a review or something on it on its own. I always feel bad throwing in a movie sometimes because I feel like it's too quick. But I would say if you like the first one and you like slasher movies, then I think you would like it. It was better than your average horror movie because there are so many bad ones. That's a (laughs) Real thing. Yep. But it's good. I just, it's been a minute since I've seen like a straight up slasher movie. So I did forget that they kill pretty much everyone except for like the final person who makes it. Yep. So that's the rule. Not necessarily the rule in this one, but just like as it was going, like in the middle, I was just like, shit, man, 
everybody going to die. Slasher films. But but it was good. I liked it. I think if you liked the original one, it's it's got enough of that that feel and uh yeah, spooky, murdery fun. It's a good time. As fun as murder can be, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what about you? Well, I watched the I rewatched the first 3 episodes of Haunting of Hill House with my parents when I was visiting Houston this weekend. They really enjoyed it. My mom's not going to watch it until my dad gets back because I guess he's hunting. He's on like a hunting trip or something. Mm -hmm. So she was like, not going to watch it alone (laughs) in the house. And I was like, that's a good idea. So they were both really into it. Did you notice anything different, like, rewatching it? I tried because I was like, they said that there's, like, ten ghosts hidden and I just couldn't see any. Like, I I don't know if I'm just not paying close enough attention or what, but I didn't see any. So I was going to look it up and then maybe do another watch because as I was watching it again, I noticed references and things, like, from the first episode that made more sense later in the series. Mm -hmm. And... I got really mad because I realized, like, how the siblings were treating Nellie in the first episode, how shitty they were. Yeah, they were for awful what she her. had been through. I was like, fuck all of y'all. Y'all are the worst. Yeah, they suck. <sighs> like, that occurred to me when we were watching it, but, like, revisiting that first episode and the second episode and how shitty they were, I was just like, fuck you all. <laughs> fuck all of you. You deserve everything you get. <laughs> And then um, I've also been watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I think I'm on episode five, maybe six, and I've been enjoying it. I liked, I finished it, and I, I like the, I feel like the second half was a little bit stronger, but for the most part, I liked it. There was like some, they got this weird thing that they keep doing, and tell me if you noticed this, because I feel like you probably did, but anytime they want to get back at the Jock guys, I feel like their go-to thing is to be like... If you are bad, or if you if you don't stop being bad, I'm going to spread a rumor that you're gay. Yeah, kind of thing. That... And I was just like, huh, huh. How about that? That's a not a great way to go about that. To use being gay as like a shame thing, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, aren't there other ways to like punish them that don't involve like shaming gay people maybe i guess not i guess not so their lack of creativity really disappoints me i feel like there's so many ways to embarrass dudes Uh, you're a witch you have like like you have unholy powers at your disposal and yet you're gonna stoop to that also honestly when uh the girls started laughing i was like Man, if these were dudes that are really caught up in, like, machismo bullshit, they would have been way angrier hearing women laugh at them. Yeah. I don't think that they would have had anything to be scared of, though, because then they just would have murdered all the jock dudes, but... Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I I didn't like that either. That bothered me. Especially since I was like, they have a, like, a non-binary person in the cast, so I don't understand why they're... I don't know. It's one of those things where you're like, man, you're you're hitting so many good notes, but then you're still really missing the point on a lot of big issues. <laughs> there was also someone at the Halloween party that was dressed as a Native American, and I was like, oh, I missed that. I I was like, are they Native American? Because 
they would be the only people allowed to do that. But it looked like a white girl. And I was like, mm. Where is Greendale? I don't know. Like, where in the country is it? It seems like there's a lot of farmland, so maybe. like upstate New York or something. I don't know, because they also have people, like, you know, Probably. coming in. They're like, I'm coming across the ocean. I got some witches. Yeah, I would guess East Coast then. I don't know. It's, there's a lot to look at critically. Overall, it was fun. I enjoyed it. The acting's cute. <laughs> it's Yeah. I like Ross Lynch a lot. I remember when I was babysitting, I had to watch Austin and Allie, and he's... What's that? A precious baby. It's a Disney Channel show, Taylor. I am well-versed in Disney Channel shows from 2008 to 2016. I have an eight-year like span of time where I know most of the shows, most of the characters, and most of the actors and actresses. It's not information I need or want, but I have it. I hope one day it comes in handy. At some trivia game, probably. You want to know about Good Luck Charlie? I know all about it. Ask me anything. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. If we get this to you by Halloween, happy Halloween. Be safe. Be good. And if not... Don't let the candy lady get you. Don't, if someone leaves candy on your windowsill, don't eat that candy. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. If it's after Halloween, I'm glad you're still here. Glad you made it. Glad the candy lady didn't uh, trick you into eating her delicious, bad candy. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Ghost Emoji Show. You can email us at ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow, subscribe, leave good reviews on your favorite podcatcher. We're hosted on Podbean, but we're also on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on all those good, good podcatchers. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell the ghosts that haunt your house. Especially the ghosts. Yeah. Tell your pets. Whisper it in their ears. <laughs> Follow ghost emoji. Do it. <laughs> Do it, you coward. Yeah, but I think that's it. So until next time. Always say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Bye-bye.